We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. ready to talk quarterbacks if you want um we we can get into that i know you had a couple on there you wanted to talk about yeah well i wanted to give you a chance obviously to 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 talk about because i i do very much enjoy your work bill i mean that's the reason that we first started talking anyway and that's why i now consider you a friend is it was because i respected your work and first time we talked that was the conversations about you released a top 25 quarterback rankings and i'll say this this is something that I truly believe. I'm not just saying that because I like you and you co-host, you host a show on my channel and because you're on here now. It, even the stuff I didn't agree with, I, you, I like the fact that you at least made your case as to why you had certain guys in certain places. So I did enjoy that. And I'm going to put his uh, story in the chat's description below so you guys can all look at it. So we'll get into the Sam Hartman part in a bit, but I do want to kind of talk about the rest of it. Number one, you had Caleb Williams, number one, Drake may number two. I think that's a no brainer. I think it's a no brainer that those are the one and two. And I also think there's a gap between one and two. I think Drake, I think Drake may was an outstanding quarterback last year. I think the town around him, I have questions about this year and then the new system. So there's enough question marks there that I say, Caleb Williams is clearly number one. Cause I actually felt through the first eight, nine weeks of the season, that Drake May was my Heisman, would have got my Heisman vote through right. eight nine games. The, the difference is, is Caleb Williams did things in November that Drake Drake May didn't, and his team lost their last I think what like four games of the season, and that's what separated it for me. Then after that, I think is where we could start having some conversations. You had Michael Penix number three. That's who, where I have. So so far we're good. Next, you you get into a thing, and and I got the impression from you, Bill, that that it's kind of like yeah, this is where I had to put, I had to put somebody there. And even though I put this guy there, you could make a case somewhere else. So let's kind of get into the rest of your of your top 10 and, and get into kind of why you went Bo Nix four, J.J. McCarthy five, Jaden Daniels six, Jordan Travis seven, Cameron Rising eight, Quinn Ewers nine, and Sam Hartman 10. I think eight of those 10 I have in my top 10. We just would have them in different places. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So let's mm-hmm. kind of discuss a little bit, Bill. Uh, first of all, Bo Nix and that number four spot. What what was your case for for having Bo? I mean, he had forty four total touchdowns. I, I will. So part of our methodology is Bill Trochi, who I do the podcast with. I have him send him. I was like, send me your top twenty five. Then I'd have mine. Then I average them out, and then I do the rule where. And, and Bill's cool with it. I said, well, my name's on it. So I have some editorial liberties here that I'm going to take. I mean, we may have it like this, but with my, you guys don't have to take the, you know what, from fans. So, um, yeah, I, I think Bo Nix is a solid four. I, he's not, he could go either way. He's been on this list for four years, by the way. So, uh, shouldn't have been, uh, but yes, he had, yeah, a couple years he probably shouldn't have been. So, but I mean, you can't ignore the production 44 touchdowns, less Mm -hmm. Bo Nix experience things like the head scratching interceptions. Um, made a lot of big plays, and he did a lot of that. Like I said, the the in the article, four interceptions on throws of 10 yards or less, those are those things that he did too much at Auburn. So, be interesting to see how he responds not having Kenny Dillingham this year, but um. I mean, that's not that's the case for him at four. I, I would actually state the case that that his production could actually be better this year as a passer than it was last year. Right. With uh, it's Will Stein is the name of the guy. Right. I mean, you look right. at the numbers he put up with Frank Harris at UTSA last year. I mean, he's going to fit into that very well. I, I wouldn't have Bo Nix there. I think the numbers were good. Uh, the 43 touchdowns is good. I would argue Sam Hartman had 52 years ago, but that's a different conversation. We'll get to that part here in a little bit. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, five. I think that's probably the one that a lot of people are going to have a, the biggest problem with. Are, is that a pure projection thing for you? What's your What's your reasoning for having J.J. McCarthy at the number five spot? 
Right. Um, you know, he he got that. He played big when they needed him to play big. You know, he, he beat Ohio State um, for the first time since 2000 at Ohio Stadium. That that hadn't happened since Drew Henson. I pointed that out for years. I mean, 12-1 and one is the starter. I think people are waiting to, you know, depending on, on who you ask, he's a day three quarterback or a first-round quarterback. And I think the talent, first-round quarterback talent is there. And if he cleans up the vertical passing stuff with the receivers he has, um, it will be uh, uh, it'll be very interesting. But I do like JJ McCarthy's high end potential at Michigan, and I, you know, it, you like you said, he nearly brought them back against TCU, and I think he'll learn from the mistakes he made. Another one that you have that I thought is very interesting, Bill, and, and, and we'll get into this one first before we get into Sam Hartman discussion, is a guy that you have in your top 10 that I think is probably the most polarizing quarterback to discuss in college football right now, and that's Quinn Ewers at Texas. You had him at number nine. It, it's interesting that you went there, Bill. I don't know that I would put him at number nine. I'm, I'm sort of more of a I-need-to-see-it-first type of thing. But I feel I've argued I've made this case before on this channel, Bill. I think Quinn Ewers has gone from incredibly overrated to underrated, right? right. Because the expectations were so high, people forget last year really should have been his freshman year. I mean he he graduated early so he could get an NIL deal and go sit the bench at Ohio State for a year. I don't like that. I don't approve of it. But the fact is, he lost a year of development, goes to Texas, and has an okay freshman year. Freshman year, in my opinion. And, and so now it's like he went from being this guy that 247 made the absurd claim of he is the like, best quarterback prospect ever, which was absurd, to now it's like people are like, well, who's going to beat him out first, Malik Murphy or Arch Manning? You know, and, and that's just kind of what the perception is. You ended up ranking him ninth, Bill, and I think that's a very bold take. But it's one that I don't necessarily have a problem. Again, I need to see it more, but I don't actually have as much of a problem with this one because I do think that the talent is there, the weapons are going to be there, and I think last year's experience is going to help. And I think there's something to be said for a kid that was hyped up that much to have mm-hmm. a little bit of humility. Yes. And how does I, he respond to it? I trust the talent. I trust the five-star talent that uh, he has. Um he looks very comfortable in the spring game. He's throwing to two NFL receivers and a first-round tight end, and he has a long arm. And, I mean, all you have to do is go back to the beginning of the Alabama game last year where he was just slinging it against them. So I think he definitely has the upside to mm-hmm. be, again, a very wide range, probably an even higher upside than J.J. McCarthy in terms of a first-round NFL quarterback sure. because of that arm talent. But can he control the mistakes? He did not, though. Downside on Quinn did not play well in games against ranked opponents. Mm-hmm. Did not play well against TCU. Did not played good against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma was a mess Snake at that stink. point. Yeah. yeah. So that's why Texas, like I said, uh, there's a lot of upside with him. And I honestly think bringing on Arch is a good push for him in a yes. lot of ways. Well, and I think Malik Murphy having a very good offseason helps as well. I actually, if Correct. I'm him, I'm more worried about Malik Murphy than I am Arch Manning at this point in time. Murphy I did had a he, great spring game. You're right. Yes. He played very well. I, I do think he played well against Kansas State. I know his numbers don't light the world on fire, but I thought he made some really clutch throws in that win. And I thought he played pretty well against Washington. I mean, his numbers were tremendous, and he should have been over 400 yards if Xavier Worthy doesn't drop a deep ball. Uh, that should have gone for a big play. But but I also look at and say he was really bad against Oklahoma State. 
like really bad against Oklahoma State, and he was really bad against TCU. So I understand. My whole thing is, Bill, is I wouldn't put him in the top 10 in the preseason, but if you were to say my top 10 is projecting how this is going to end, I'd probably have him in my top 10 because oh, I trust sure. Sark. The town around him is good, and and I think that he is going to be a better player this year than he was last year. I, I really do. I really do. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, that's that's something why Texas and Notre Dame, who are chronic hype teams, so to speak, um, in a lot of ways, people I, I I shudder at the Texas's back thing and, and our social media team likes to have fun with it just because I shudder with the Notre Dame. There's a re like one of my least favorite phrases is Texas is irrelevant. Well, yes. no, they're not Stupid. because they're on and people watch and millions of dollars notre dame's irrelevant now <laughs> no, they certainly aren't and michigan there's a difference bill between irrelevant and not good right notre and dame has not been great for a long time but they're still very relevant the fact that you're even having this conversation is right. because they're relevant right and michigan right? michigan's the other ones like michigan's irrelevant well no because a lot of people watch them and and right. so on and so on so that's why it, it is interesting now that i'm looking at this again that we have hartman and viewers back to back because mm-hmm. I think the upside on both is playoff. The I mean Texas could easily win the Big 12. Easily. And uh it's just a matter of going out and doing it. And then your point about a top five roster versus a top five execution is well taken. Notre Dame and Texas are the epitomes of that. Two teams with very good rosters, but they need to prove that they can those rosters can equal wins because I think still Steve Sarkeesian has a lot to prove as a head coach he was a great coordinator but he's got a lot to prove as a head coach still as does Marcus Freeman because Marcus Freeman's for completely different reasons his is just we don't know but Steve Sarkeesian's never been a guy that's really led a team to great success and he's got to prove they can do that as a head coach we've seen him do it as an OC was a quarterback's coach obviously he's got rings right I mean he's got multiple national title rings as a position coach at USC, and then obviously as a coordinator at, at Alabama. But he's got to prove he can do it as a head coach. And and so I, I, we'll see if Texas is, is sort of, quote-unquote, back this year or not. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Here, here, let's get to the Sam Hartman stuff, Bill. Mm-hmm. Sam Hartman's number 10. Let's just – I'll give you a first chance to kind of explain why you have him number 10. I mean, you know, obviously big numbers in the ACC, record-setting career, elevated Wake Forest. Um, started in 45 games, which is wild to me, that we have a quarterback that's going to get near 60 starts by the end of the year. Um, you know, and he didn't the, – the stunning stat that I put in there, 41 picks on 944 attempts. So you and I kind of had a back and forth in text um, – not having him over Cam Rising, which is a fair point. But, I mean, I'm like, Cam Rising's played in two Rose Bowls. And Cam Rising has uh, – he's got a style that I like. I, I'm partial to those guys, the, the guys that have done everything they can for their program. I go back to Cam Rising, the USC games last year, both of them. Not just one, both of them, that he uh, elevated that team. And he played well in the Rose Bowls before he got hurt. Until he got hurt, years. right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean – so here, here's a couple things. Number one is you said he elevated the team. I, I mean, who do you think has a better roster, Utah or Wake Forest? Well, don't make me answer that. I mean, <laughs> we already know the answer. I mean, but that's I would say Wake is, Forest receivers and Utah receivers sure. are probably comparable. Well, but he had a you know what many people felt was the best tight end in college football last year. I think right. it's absurd. 
but he definitely had the number two tight end in college football last year. I, I, that's kind of my thing, as you say, you know, he elevated the team around him, and, and I think there's some truth to that. You say, we're talking about ripping up USC. He did that twice. USC's defense was terrible last year, so it's not like he he went out there and, and, and ripped up a good defense. And you look at, like, what Sam Hartman did to Clemson, for example, I would say is very similar. What's the difference? Utah has a much better defense than Wake Forest does. You know, I mean, did, did he play any worse against Clemson when he went 20 of 29 for 337 yards and six touchdowns than what Cameron Rising did uh, against USC? Well, what was the difference? Well, Wake Forest couldn't stop Clemson because their defense right. is terrible. I mean, in two games against – I mean, in the last three years, he scored uh, – Wake Forest has scored 34 points and Hartman had 320 yards and four touchdowns against North Carolina this year. He passed for 290 yards and three, or excuse me, 398 yards and five touchdowns against Carolina the previous year, scored 55 points. And then the year before that, they scored 53 points against North Carolina. He had 429 yards and four touchdowns. Right. They lost every single one of those games. Right. Yeah, and it's, so it's kind of yeah. like you, you put Hartman on Wake for, on, on Utah, or, we, you know, what's the conversation we're having? So that was kind of my thing is you say, you know, Utah the last two years has won 20 games. Well, Wake Forest has won 19 the last two years. ACC versus Pac-12, there's not a whole lot of difference right. there for me. Uh, you know, you talk about the, what he did in the bowl games last two years. I thought he was really good against Ohio State, but that was a terrible Ohio State defense, as right. you and I both know. And so production-wise, it's not even close. I mean, wins as a starter, it's 20 versus 18. Now, Sam Hartman technically had 18 of those 19 wins because he missed the Army game because he was coming back from that right. heart thing that he had last year. They, he'd, he'd have got that. But 18 versus 20. Uh, and Sam Hart, actually, I think, um, I think Cameron Rising actually only had uh, uh, 19 of those 20 wins they had because he didn't start the season in 2021 as the starter. I don't believe right. he came off the bench, but they were one and two with him not starting. And then he comes, he comes in and starts against Washington State, and that starts their run of dominance in the Pac-12. But you look at the production bill, and the last two years. Cameron Rising's had three total games of 300 yards yards passing or more. Right. Sam Hartman's had 15 the last two years. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, production-wise, it's not even close. Touchdown-wise, which is the case you made earlier for Bo Nix, it's not even close. Wins, it's very close. Close. Now, and, one and guy five has five and one against ranked teams. Sure. Five and but, one. But, that's a has a lot. That's like saying John Elway's not good because he went zero three in Super Bowls. Well, name me the team that he played where his team was on the same level of the team that he played against. Right? I mean, right. That's the conversation. That's more of a team thing for me. Right. Uh, but um, that would be my case. Is there's really nothing about that that makes me that has me screaming? Hey, he's better. He played on a better team. Right. And he's gritty. I'll say this about Cameron Rising. He's a tough kid. And I have a feeling in Ohio, Midwestern, you know, we like those Ohio, guys. Like yeah. That. Well, yeah, that's that's He's maybe, the kind of guy that Michigan yeah, and Ohio State like, had for years. I we mean, like we then. like those yeah. guys. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not like a huge gap. So like the gap between Rising to Hartman to you know, as you get down the list, then um, Hartman's not a cutoff point. I think the next guy, somebody in the comments asked about Spencer Rattler. Sure. He's eleven. He's right. been. I had him at number one on this list three years ago, so or two years ago. So it's certainly been a journey for him. But I mean, sure. second half of season, Spencer Rattler was really good last year. Yeah, yeah. I just I kind of feel like for me, it's there's there's got to be a level of consistency to this conversation. Not the conversation, um, not that you're not being consistent, but the quarterback. There's got to be consistency in the conversation about a quarterback, and I think that's the thing that's so maddening about about Spencer Rattler and why 
to me he doesn't belong in the conversation with Sam Hartman is because he'll show the flashes. If if Sam Hart if if Spencer Rattler was some three star quarterback coming out of high school that nobody ever heard of, he's never getting the rankings that he's gotten. Right. It's all been built on what we thought he was going to be as a player, and he was solid in his in his year as a starter at Oklahoma. I mean, he, he was solid that one year, but it just he doesn't play one great game. But you're talking about a guy that that put up some monster numbers at the end of the year. He had eight touchdowns and two picks in the last two games, but he only finished with 18 and 12. So how bad was he in all the other games? That's the that's kind of the rub, you know. So if you take those eight touchdowns and two picks out, and the other 11 was it they played 13 games. So the other 11 games, he had he was 10 and 10, right? right. I mean, and that's that's the thing that you look at. So to me, when you look at Sam Hartman, compare him to like a Jaden Daniels, for example, who you have ahead of him. When you compare him to Cameron Rising, who you have above him. When you compare him to JJ McCarthy. The production isn't even close. Some of those guys just play on better teams, right? Is J.J. McCarthy right. lead Michigan to 19 wins or lead Wake Forest to 19 wins the last two years? I don't think so. Does he lead them to eight wins this past year? I, I don't think so. And that would be kind of my my conversation. And um, the other one, too, is the Jordan Travis one is interesting because I actually have Jordan Travis a little higher than you, but we see him exactly the same way. It's just it's a nitpick of five to seven. Mm. I have a five to seven. That's like that's no difference. Hartman is compared to Travis is where this conversation goes to me because production for Hartman's been better, more yards per game, more total touchdowns, and he's two and zero against Jordan Travis. Right. right. And I would argue one of those years, I actually think Sam Hartman had the better team. Sam Hartman. Wake Forest was a better team than Florida State. Had more talent than Florida State in 2021, in my opinion. They had like that's the guys on that defense in 2021 and offensive line that were really good football players. Plus right. the receivers. 2022, that I don't I don't believe that they had the better team. But yet, Sam Hartman went to Florida State and led them to a 10 point win in a game that they were dominating most of that game. And then Jordan Travis did some stuff in the second half to kind of get it somewhat back in. And then once they got it to a touchdown, Sam Hartman let him right down the field for a, a right. game pitching field goal drive. So that's the reason I personally had Sam Hartman at four ahead of Jordan Travis. Cause my ranking too, bill was projecting where they are now, or was not projecting. It was, here's what, where they are now, what we know of these guys. Yeah. And I'm I think projecting project, forward with Travis. Definitely projecting forward with Jordan Travis a little bit. We know, you know, like when I looked at his stats, you know, it's, it's good to know that he, led returning power five quarterbacks in yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's throwing like bubble screens. He throws it down the field. And then the added dimension of him being able to, he's probably one of the most dynamic running quarterbacks in the game this year. I mean, you go back and look at the Florida game. He was amazing. So I I like his potential pushing forward. I'm starting to like Florida state a little bit more with Mm -hmm. each passing day. And I know it's may Uh, we'll see how I feel in August, but certainly a quarterback that could definitely make that run. Well, I think the thing about Jordan Travis, too, if we're going to have a conversation about Jordan Travis irrelevant to where he should be ranked ahead or behind Sam Hartman, I think one thing that has to always be factored into it is some of the stuff he he does can't be defined by yards. I mean, there's things right. he does that that is going to impact the running back more. You know, So they're going to have certain run concepts where you're going to see the running back running through this wide open hole, and you're like, why'd that happen? And you're like, because those two weak side defenders were chasing Jordan Travis on the read zone fake. Right. You know, so he's going to have impact on those things beyond that. He's just one of those guys that, that you could watch play. This is what I love about Jordan, about Jordan, about Jordan, about Jordan. About Jordan. Uh, one out here for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, can you guys all hear me? I can. I, hear I lost me? you there for a minute. 
Okay. Yeah. My uh, mic got, I knocked my mic again. Here's the thing I like about him, though, is there's just some guys you can look at and say they, they put up numbers that don't necessarily knock your socks off. But watch, <laughs> like, if you just look at the box score, he'll, he'll, he'll have some games where you just look at the numbers like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll have to watch the game. But, you know, that didn't really, like, blow me away. Those numbers didn't really blow me away. Uh, the Florida game, for example, he went 13 of 30 for 270 yards. And, you know, he rushed for 83 yards in a couple of – those are okay numbers. But then you watch the game. Yeah. Like, this guy had a huge impact on that game. Right, huge. And that's something right. I like about Jordan Travis, that I, that I think sometimes you, you, can, you, can not, you can do yourself a disservice with him by not – by only looking at the numbers. You right. have to watch him play to really appreciate the kind of player that he is. I will make that case for Jordan Travis, which is why I have him in my top five to be honest with you. Right. And I think he's more, I mean, his production is better than, than Jay and Daniels, in my opinion, he beat Jay Daniels in a head to head. And he's and and to me, he's just, he's, that's why I would have him ahead of Jay Daniels. And of course I would definitely have Sam Hartman ahead of Jay Daniels. Just, you know, uh, right. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. What, what would your case be for having Jordan Daniels ahead of Sam Hartman? Uh, well, I mean, Daniels look of what they did. I mean, the Alabama game, Sure. That's that's a, a pretty good one. I think the way that he developed over the course of the season and projecting forward um, a little bit with him, and he's the SEC quarterback with the highest uh, Heisman odds. I like that he completes uh, – again, I, I'm a stickler for accuracy in general. Um, maybe I have typos in my articles, but uh, 70 comple- <laughs> 70% completion percentage in eight or more games. Well, uh, I blame Bill for that. That's what the editor should be doing. Yeah, I mean, so – yeah. I mean, and as the season got on, he was just better and better. I mean, obviously he ran into that Georgia team and it didn't go his way, but I mean, difference maker. That's what makes the Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels matchup in week one. So enticing um, because you have two top 10 quarterbacks and Daniels in particular, he's had another, not as consistent as Sam Hartman over the course of his career. I mean, he had a lot, he had some very lows at Arizona state. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think he fits with LSU what they want to do, and he showed that in the back half of the season. So when you talk about the the Bama, are you just talking about beat, leading Bama to a win or leading LSU to a win? Is that kind of the, the point of it? Or because I didn't, I thought he played okay against Alabama. I didn't. I didn't he plays when great. they needed him, though. Yeah, I mean he did. I mean you look at the he caused them problems as when Saban runs into a quarterback that can improv and, and run a little bit. That's when Alabama runs in. That's been going on since forever. Yeah, him. I mean, that, that goes back to Johnny Manziel in 2012. Right. And then Bo right. Wallace in 13 and 14. Was it 13 and 14 or 14 right. and 15? Uh, it was Bo Wallace one year and it was Chad Kelly another year. But same thing, guys that can run around right. and, and make plays off script. Uh, I guess kind of the way I look at it is you say he he played one of those games. He did. Uh, he, he wasn't very good against Tennessee, at least not early. It patented a lot of stats right. late. I thought there were some games where he wasn't as good last year and i would every time somebody says well the guy did this against bama i just my response was sam look what sam hartman did to clemson right clemson was pretty good defense last year and he destroyed him i mean just absolutely ripped them up and so that's just kind of my thing is i just feel like it has to do with where he was where he was and right. sometimes that's where these rankings can be impacted by but, the school guy plays for more than the actual play of the yeah, quarterback. But I don't look like one individual game result isn't the end all be all for me. Like I could fire back and say look what Sam Hartman did against Louisville. Sure. And yeah. I don't that doesn't matter as fair. much to me. I mean That'd like be fair. yeah, like you got 
destroyed by Louisville, so he's not as good as Jaden Daniels. So I don't fall into that. Um, and the Tennessee game, LSU got blown out because they could they just didn't stop them at all. Sure. And that game was – I mean – They weren't moving I mean? the ball incredibly right. well either. I mean, True. a lot of those numbers he put up – I think he had 300 yards that game, but a lot of that was late. Right. But that but that's my whole point, though. His team didn't play well that game. Right. So is right? it – That's is my it, thing. Is it Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis – when you were Cam Rising and yeah. Sam Hartman, and like I said, that's probably the cutoff yeah. point. All five of those guys are going to have an opportunity sure. to pull their team into the college football playoff, and maybe, just maybe, settle this debate for us. Out that of those, would be five, so much fun. That if be- if we could actually see more of these teams play each other. That's what yeah. I when I look at some of these non-conference schedules. I won't hammer you for Michigan's non-conference schedule today. Well, we we'll that have that time. one another day. But I, that's the one thing I, I do. That's why I'm very much looking forward to, to some of these September games because we're going to see Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels go toe to toe in Orlando. So right. who who's in position to? Because I think the rosters are somewhat equal. One team has strengths over the other in some areas, and and the other one has advantages in others. And those type of things, we're going to see some of this get decided on the field. You know, is right. Jane Daniels going to be able to take that leap this year? Because he's another guy that since his freshman year, we're like, this is the year that Jane Daniels takes the jump, you know, and to a degree last year, I thought that he did. I just, again, go down to production wasn't even close. I mean, the overall production wasn't close. And, you know, this is the thing is Jaden Daniels went eight of 15 for 86 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick against Arkansas. And he rushed for 10 yards on 19 carries and they won. Right. That's the difference to me. Part of the reason you're going to have some Louisville's with Sam Hartman is because he has to play great for them to have a chance to win. He can't not play well and Wake Forest beat people. And I pointed out what they did against Carolina. He's led them to over 50 points twice against Carolina, led them to 34 another year, and they lost all three of those games. And I think that's the thing for me that I get down to is is it's those – what would this guy do on that team? compared to what this guy has done on that team. And and that's where, because you say, well, this guy beat that team. Well, I don't care who you had at quarterback. Wake Forest isn't beating Alabama. I don't, you give them Caleb Williams and they're not beating Alabama. You know what I mean? Right. And that's that's kind of where I say, well, I don't know. It's how did, how did those these guys play consistently? So that's where I right. come down to. But I, I do think this is going to have a chance to be a very good quarterback year in college right. football. Because we've talked about these guys, but here's who we're not talking about. We're not talking about Devin Leary. Who I, who I had as a top borderline top five guy last year. We're not talking about Brennan Armstrong, who had tons of yards two years ago. We're not talking about DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State, which I thought was a great decision by him to go play for Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. There's a lot of quarterbacks we're not talking about here, including Riley Leonard, who I'm very high on. We don't have time to, to bring right. him up, but he was going to be one that uh, – I was going to ask you why he's not here. KJ Jefferson is, I'm a huge KJ. I mean, if I had to pick, pick, pick between KJ Jefferson and Jane Daniels, with all due respect, I'm taking KJ Jefferson. Well, a I'm, couple a, I'm a big KJ Jefferson guy. We, we can talk. Okay. So when Bill and I did this list, the two quarterbacks where we probably had the biggest disparity, mm-hmm. Bill liked Riley Leonard, likes mm-hmm. the numbers, likes the things that he did for Duke and, you know, the rushing stats. And I probably had Milton higher because Milton's the other one. Milton's kind of the, ultimate boomer bust pick on this list. Sure. If he booms, Tennessee's going to go to the playoff. Yeah. If he bust, it's going to look, you know, it, it'll Nico's be. Nico's the starting me- quarterback by game five. Correct. Yeah. Like when you have a freshman behind him <laughs> that could start or he could be Anthony Richardson this year. Right. 
in the NFL draft next year. So he, I like Milton's upside. I like how he played in the bowl game, but I also know, you know, I go back to that Georgia game where Georgia can make anybody look very average, sure. very quickly, sure. including Hendon hooker. Sure. Um, so those were the two we probably talked about most. The one it's that interesting, I've, it's interesting real quick on Joe Milton. Cause you, you talk so much about completion percentage, but he's one of the lowest completion percentage guys on your list. In the most com- completion percentage quarterback friendly offense. And he did play well in the orange bowl. So if that's the Joe Milton we're getting, I'm going to trust it. I, okay. I mean, Heupel's offense is real. Now, so, to your the point, offense is great. I mean, the offense well, is great. And even without Tillman and Hyatt, I think it can happen. Um, we'll see though. Right. So that's, right. that's, because he didn't have there. those guys in the bowl game. I mean, that, that's no, the thing. I mean, if we're going to be fun. fair, he didn't have those guys in the bowl game, but if you, if you, he had a couple big plays late, but a lot of that stuff was short stuff, which is stuff he had struggled with in the past. But he is 11 of 21 against Vanderbilt. That's that's my big thing is 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 this is the ultimate test for me with Josh Heupel as a quarterback developer. If he can get Joe Milton into being a a, a 62 – because mm-hmm. here's the thing. He doesn't have to complete 69% of his passes like Hendon did. Right. He just needs to produce like 62, 63 at the most, and he'll be effective because he can do some of those other things well, like running. It's a big, strong kid, bazooka for an arm. He can you know throw the ball down the field. So it's going to be, can you get him Can you get right. him to be more? And that's the same thing. That's going to be the challenge for Penn State this year with Drew Aller. Can you get him to hit the layups? Right. right? That's going to be the question mark. If, if Penn State's going to be the team that challenges for the Big Ten, it's because Drew Aller isn't making the – the big armed throws, the 60 yard bombs. It's right. can he hit that third and four, you know, with rhythm and, and, and get it out where it needs to get with good ball placement, good timing. And and those are going to be the things that are going to determine whether some of these teams like Ohio state, Penn state can not just put up numbers, but win the money games, those are really? going to be the things. And that's going to be the same thing to me for Joe Milton this year. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and so one of your commenters said, you know, it's a projection list, not a rankings. Yes and no. I mean, of course we project forward, but, you know, some of these guys have street cred, so to speak. So, I mean, Milton, yeah, we're projecting forward. There was a time on this list where, and Kyle McCord is ranked because if you don't rank Ohio State's quarterback, right. you're an idiot. Like, right. he's going to produce. Um, there was one year we had did this list, Brian, we put um, – I think I put Tango Bailoa and Hertz. Oh. Just to cover myself. Right. Like, well, one of them's gonna play and you know, like the other one's good too. So But you had McCord at twenty three, so it's not like you had him like no. nine. 
That no. that would be where I think people could have a complaint is if you put him in the top ten just because. Mm-hmm. And that was my beef with the ESPN list having whoever the Alabama quarterback was going to be over Sam Hartman. It's just well, it's whoever whoever's going to be is going to be X. And it's like well, you don't know that. I but right. I think to your point, I'll be surprised if Kyle McCord's not in the top twenty five if he plays the whole year. The question is going to be for Ohio State is can he play like a top ten quarterback, which is what they need if they're going to go compete for a championship, in my opinion. Yeah. That's the well, question you, mark. You could do it with Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and probably be right. You'd been right the last four times. So <laughs> he he's one that, yeah. And again, we, we project a little bit. And then for me, it's like, I like Dylan Gabriel a little more. I like Jalen mm-hmm. Daniels. I really like Jalen Daniels. There's mm-hmm. one I do like. The Kansas kid, they were off to a 5-0 start. Doesn't throw picks. Accurate. Runs the ball. Lifts that program up. Um just got hurt. Their backup yeah. was pretty good, but you know, we'll, we'll project a little bit forward on him. And then I'm kind of just scanning who else. Right. Riley's to... one that I would have had because a lot of the things that you said earlier about mm-hmm. other guys that you like, I think is very true for Riley Leonard. Talk about making a team better. You're talking mm-hmm. about a guy that, you know, completed 64% of his passes threw for almost 3000 yards, had 699 rushing yards, had 33 total touchdowns and took a team that was, I think what, three and nine the year before and led them to nine wins. Right. You know? And so I, I think I would have had him a little higher. I would have had him ahead of Gabriel, a couple of those other guys, but right. you know, it's also year one and you've got to see what he can do in year two. We, you know, and we, I do we like were... the town around him too at Duke. He's got some good guys to throw the ball to as well. He does. And we, Maybe because I have a sense of humor, put the Kentucky and Duke kid back to back, Um, you know, with Riley Leonard being there. And then Liam Combe coming back to Kentucky will make a difference for Devin Leary. I mean, that's the other guessing game. Like, are we getting the 35 and five Devin Leary? Are we getting the inconsistent injured Devin Leary who checks out if they start losing? Which is what we saw last year. Yeah. So that's a a tough one. And, um, We'll see. But, I mean, you know, putting that list together. So, a couple things I wanted to mention, too, is saw a comment, you know, Drew Aller's a guy I'd take a shot on. Well, a couple of the guys that we didn't put on there that I was pushing for is, like, Aller was one. Connor Wigman, I really – I'm going to just say it. I like – if Petrino and Fisher works out, and that's quote-unquote if, um, he's going to have a monster year. Bill, you don't have to convince me of that one. People here know I'm very high on yeah. Connor Wegman. And yeah. I've said if if Jimbo Fisher lets Bobby – look, Bobby Petrino maybe isn't someone I'm going to have a debate with you about a great moral character as a human being, but there's no disputing his offensive mind and his right. offensive prowess. There's no debating that. If Jimbo lets him run that offense, I'm a big Connor Wegman fan, so you don't have to sell me on that one. I wouldn't put him in the top 25 right now simply because he played five games last year, four games right. last year. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's a small sample. But, but, but if For you were sure. to say this is a projection of what I think we will see at the end of the year and you're going to have him on that, then I'm totally good. It's a, that's the thing with someone's like Drew Aller, some of these guys, Bill. It's like, tell me what your top 25 list is. Is it a right. – here's the top 25 going into the season, or is it a top 25 of how I think we're going to view this by the time the season's over? Because there's some guys, Drew Aller does not belong in a top 25 if it's just about uh, what we know now, right? And you can make that case with Kyle McCord, but if we're going to, because the difference, but the difference with Kyle McCord is Kyle McCord comes from a system that has proven the quarterback's going to produce. Drew Aller doesn't. That's the difference in that one. 
and Kyle McCord's going to be throwing to Marvin Harrison and all we talked about. Perfect. But if you're going to tell me, hey, what what is your prediction of what the 25 is going to look like by the end of the year? Uh, Drew Aller is going to be on there. Kyle McCord is going to be on there. Connor Wegman would be on there for me, and that would that that's the that's the reality of it. So and we I mean, we will up where you are. We update this one in the midseason, but nobody clicks on that one because they just like to say I told you so and you were wrong. We, and we got nothing you know, else to talk about right now, right? All I all I'll say is last year my top three or top I know the top two were Young and Stroud, so I'm not wrong there. Mm-hmm. And I know we had um Hendon Hooker three, I think. So at the time at mid season I was I was fine. Um, well I mean I would argue that he was there all season until he got right, hurt. I mean right. that, that's uh, I've no For problem sure. with that. Yeah. The way the season played out, I mean, there was a time where I would have argued that Drake May should have been one or two, right. the way that he was playing. But by the end of the year, I mean, he didn't finish the way he played in the middle of the year. I mean, right. he, early in the year, he was okay. Late in the year, he was okay. Middle of the year, he was phenomenal. Now it's about can he take that next step and be more consistent? Now, that right. doesn't mean to pass Drake May. I mean, Car- Caleb Williams, he, he, I don't think he's going to do that. But as far as just putting that Carolina team on his shoulders, because he did at times – but they just were outgunned a couple. I mean, I don't care what he did against Notre Dame. They weren't going to win that game. They just were outmanned everywhere else but quarterback in that game. So that's going to be an interesting one to, to discuss. So we, we will have you back on, though, Bill. Actually, well, I mean, you're going to always be on. You actually did a show today right. uh, on CFB Nation. So if, you have, if you're not subscribed to the CFB Nation channel, folks, you need to do so. Go to subscribe on YouTube, but also subscribe to the podcast platform so you can get the show. You guys talked about this Big Ten TV deal. That is, it's going to be interesting. I mean, is it up in the air? Is it just, it's going to eventually get finalized? There's so much to discuss here. How does that impact Notre Dame? Uh, it's something I'm curious about. So you guys will have that. You did, you recorded that show today. I'll have that ready for everybody tomorrow morning. So you'll be able to check that out tomorrow morning. I may get the video up when I watch it. If I may be so intrigued that I just want to get the video up on, on the CFP Nation YouTube channel tonight. But you guys had that. You guys can find all the Bill and Bill, Bill, and Bill do a show every week on CFP nation and they talk about all types of different topics. And, uh, and, and I, and I love what I love about bill is you will answer for the things that you say. You don't just no. make a ranking and then hide from it. And, and no. I always respect that. And no. how many people come back and say, you know what, bill, you were right. I was wrong. I'm sure you won't get nearly as many of those. Not tweets. Everyone. I tell you, I don't get it coaching um, from parents. Uh, but so I'll give you a little spoiler on that one. And I, I'm cur- I would be curious. So here was my, I'm going to let you in a little bit of the snippet of this podcast. So we were talking about, give it to your listeners, give it to you. I'm going to just ask you straight up. I told Bill, I was like, this thing about the primetime games, I was like, I hate primetime games. I've always hated them. I, I, why are, he's like, why are they giving a pushback from Big Ten schools? I was like, because we don't like them. Nobody mm-hmm. likes sitting out in those places in November. And I said, what is your ideal game time for Notre Dame? Mine's Mine? still no- noon. Mine's still, still new. Well, minus for Notre Dame, it's still the two thirty, three thirty games. That's just yeah. what they've always done. I mean, it's it's, but it's an afternoon game. I mean, to me, primetime games are, are are for early in the year and against a big rival. I mean, I think Notre Dame's first primetime a night game was I think eighty eight against Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah. And Michigan's first night game was twenty eleven against, against Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yep. So yeah, it, there is no. I mean, when I've never watched Ohio, I grew up watching Ohio State and Michigan because Notre Dame would always play that night, usually play that night or later the afternoon, and you know, three thirty game or whatever against USC. But like, I didn't grow up watching Notre Dame and USC play at night. I grew up watching them play right after the Ohio State Michigan game when it was like, a, when it was out in LA, which was always at noon. 
I mean, that's the tradition of it. Yeah, and I said, I'm going to go to practice tonight. My kids' practices, I said, I'm going to go find 20 dads. And in this part of Ohio, there'll be a mix of Notre Dame, Ohio, maybe a couple sore thumb Michigans. And I'm going to say, what's your favorite game time? And I guarantee you, I told Bill in the bet, I said, there'll be less than three to four that say eight o'clock. Sure. We don't like that. We don't, I like we don't, like one a year. Is one, really where I'm at. One or they two should be a special year occasions. Right, right. Special occasions, not November 7th, 21st, or whatever it is. Michigan State, Ohio State. I was like, of course they're not going to like that. Because, no. you know, Notre Dame, they're starting no. to plan their calendar. Ohio State and Michigan are starting to plan their calendar around each other. So right. it, it'll Whereas be Notre Dame fans can look and say, they can look at the schedule and say, I know Ohio State and I know that USC are going to be night games. Because that yeah. USC game now is always a night game at home. And they always have that early season, early September, late September, early October prime matchup that's at night too. Okay. Yep. I, you know, Georgia was at night. Stanford's at night. USC's at night when they're at home. I mean, you you know, so you can plan around it, right? But I just, yeah, I, I'm with you. I Now, I personally, as a coach, I always preferred noon games because I liked as a coach to be able to get up, not have to yep. worry about our players doing anything else. We get up, we go to breakfast, we go to our team meetings, we get to the locker room, we get our stretch, we get our treatment, and then we're ready to go play a game. As an analyst, I kind of like the – 3.30 games, right. to be honest with you, because I can sure. watch some of the noon games and then I can For sure. watch the PM games and, and that type of thing. But uh, I, I don't love a bunch of night games. And that's one thing I hate about Notre Dame schedules, because like every road game now, almost every road game they play is a night game. It's right. like Purdue's a night game. Navy's a night game. You know, Georgia Tech's a night game. All, you know, it's just like you get sick of it because it's Notre Dame and it's prime time. For an irrelevant team, they sure do get put on ESPN and ABC at 8 o'clock against a lot of irrelevant teams. You know what I mean? Like I had to watch Notre Dame play Syracuse in 2014 at right. freaking night. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Because that's what they were saying last year. And, and that's what I was talking to Bill about. I said, you know, high state fans, they didn't want to go. They didn't want to drive up to the shoe and watch them play Toledo last year right. at night. Michigan fans don't want to watch Michigan and Hawaii at the big house at night. And that's, we're creatures of tradition. And if Bill's a you know Vanderbilt grad and, and that, I just said, don't so you're expect- saying he doesn't understand football tradition? Is that what you're saying? You I said he doesn't understand the Big Ten <laughs> mindset. And I said and – and I can lump Notre Dame in there because it's the same thing. It's like I'm not going to change my mind because the network is telling me to sure. like this. I don't have – I still don't like it. And, um, you know, like Notre Dame – when I thought about Notre Dame and Michigan playing over the years, yeah, 330 game. Yeah. It should be 3.30. That was the best spot for that game because it was in the primetime window and or the, the middle window, and that's what I associated Notre Dame-Michigan games with was 3.30. Right. And even Ohio State-Michigan back in the 1990s, they played, when did they play? They played at 3.30. I think for me, my only pushback, and this has nothing to – I agree with everything you're saying. I have a hard time – like the Big Ten's thing was the tradition, the tradition, the tradition, and I'm like – says the conference who just went and poached USC and UCLA from the <laughs> right. Pac-12. Well, like, like, can, can your conference name is the Big Ten and you have 14 teams. So don't come at me with the whole tradition thing when you're at the Big Ten conference. For right. you, for analysts, for fans, I'm cool with that because I think that there's a level of, of yeah, you can agree with that. But it's just kind of like that's the, that's the line you're going to draw in the sand on tradition is when you're going to kick off games, not we're going to bring two teams from California into the Big Ten, which is a traditionally Midwestern, Northeastern conference. We're going to bring in two California teams, but we're going to be pissed off because we have to play some 8 o'clock games. 
you know what I mean, to make our $100 million a year. Like, that's where they – like, I agree with the premise of what you're saying, Bill. I'm, we're on the right. same page there. But it's just like I have no sympathy for the conference that is, is playing as big of a role as the SEC and destroying all the traditions of college football. But they're going to draw the they're going to draw the sand <laughs> in the line for we want noon kickoff games. Like okay, like I'm sorry, you've lost me. Honestly. I'm cor- I'll give you the corporate answer is we can you know do the Big Ten's you know doing what it's best to do to promote the game of college football, sure. bring it coast to coast, and, and you know we welcome USC right. and UCLA with open. <laughs> right, I see exactly. Archer yeah. Archer's comments hilarious to me because it's like yeah, Ohio State Youngstown State might be a primetime game. Well, Archie's an like, Ohio State fan. He's one of our resident. We have some fans from other teams in here. He's an Ohio State fan. So I'll watch it, that game. It, yeah. Because there's a Pickerington kid that might be playing quarterback yeah. for Youngstown State. I'll watch at least a couple series. Yeah. I just I just laugh when when I when I hear them tradition, when the words tradition come out of the mouths of Big Ten fans. You know what I mean? So like right. you know, I just you're gonna lose me on that. Although I agree with it, it's and that's what's frustrating because I agree with the premise of I'm tired of all the night games, especially around like I don't care about Iowa and was it Penn State, Iowa is gonna be a night game. Right. Like I don't care about watching that game at eight o'clock at night, you know, but I just uh when the Big Ten does it, it just kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit for me. You know, the 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 guy that negotiated this deal is the same guy that wanted to cancel their season two years ago. You know what I mean? So I just they're going to lose me a little bit with, with some of that kind of stuff. So that, that's my thing. Even though I would agree with you in, in theory, it's just I have a hard time saying, right. yeah, Big Ten, stand for tradition, except for right. when you're going to keep adding teams and doing this and poaching the Big 12 and poaching the Pac-12 and your league no longer really looks anything like what the Big Ten looked like when this tradition started. But right. sure, let's draw our, our, our line in the sand for noon kickoffs in November. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's cre- to me, it's creatures of habit. Like, yeah. and, and I still think it's part of the reason why the Pac-12 has trouble getting eyeballs is because people on the East Coast aren't going to stay up at ten thirty at night and watch Washington State and Arizona State. Now I might, but others won't. So, right? No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I get it. It's just, it's, it's just, the whole thing is just right. silly to me. Like that's, that's just, that's where you guys draw your tradition on. <laughs> noon kickoffs i never said i never said the line wasn't gray again i'm not talking about your stance your stance is fair i'm talking about the big tens hissy fit over kickoff times it's like you're getting this amount of money and this is what you're you know what i mean you're adding two california teams and this is what you're upset about okay whatever you say but uh it's going to be you guys are gonna have to listen to it because i know bill and bill are going to get into this uh quite a lot more and it's going to be a very very fun conversation so uh bill thank you so we're gonna we're gonna do this again over the summer we're gonna have you on a couple few more times i think you and i are probably going to do a couple cfb nation shows together this summer as well maybe a couple live shows maybe on cfb nation that might be a little bit of fun um and uh so we'll we'll get that rocking and rolling but hey bill let everybody know before you get out of here where they can find you where they can find your articles and then of course where they can find you on uh on socials yeah i knew we were gonna have some fun today and i i can take it right like i assure your listeners i i i'm one of those guys that can take it because when you like you enjoy that yeah like you you you, you, uh when you grow up in this we we like to say you know i can argue i can take it when i admit when i'm wrong not to Bill on the other podcast. You can check out our other <laughs> podcast on uh, CFB Nation. We're having a lot of fun with it. I'm at sportingnews.com. Privileged to call Brian a friend, somebody that we can go back and forth with. And um, we're going to get after it here. I'm going to get back. I got uh, softballs on the schedule tonight. So I got to go make a softball lineup for the <laughs> pink diamonds. We're going to go out and, and dominate like we normally do. So uh, 
Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks to your listeners. Check us out. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for coming on with us. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my patriot supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company americans trust to prepare go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.